Now I'll tell you what I get to do tonight. Yeah, I get to preach behind Dean Caldwell. <laughs> now he was here, he'd get on to me for that. He'd get on to me for that, he don't like that. But he had never preached behind Dean Caldwell. <laughs> I can tell you, Dean Caldwell has never preached behind Dean Caldwell. I've known Dean most of my life, I guess. And what you see is what you get. That, that's, that's him from Cozy Home, Arkansas. You say, well, where is that? I couldn't even begin to tell a bunch of Texans where Cozy Home, Arkansas is. It's right down the mountains from Rock Creek. But it's nowhere near Booger Holler. <laughs> there is a place called Booger Holler. They used to have T-shirts everywhere. It says, I, saw the, I went to the store at Booger Holler, population seven and one coon dog. Yes, <laughs> that's what it used to say. <laughs> Do what? Yeah, <laughs> cut and shoot. Yes. When you go across the line out of Fort Smith into Oklahoma, you run through short Oklahoma on your way to long Oklahoma. And that's a true story. On the way. <laughs> Say, what's that got to do with it? Not a thing. Just getting your mind off Dean Caldwell. <laughs> Dean Caldwell. Say, well, why are we having Paris Sunday when we had... Because, you know, I, I'll tell you some of those reasons. When you get really good folks, you get them when you get them. I don't know if you know that or not, but you get them when you get them. Um, and sometimes when you get them, it's back to back, so that's when you get them. So that's what we do. Uh, they're sending me dates for Dean. Y'all want Dean to come back? Yeah? Yeah? Well, that'll probably be 2025. Uh, no kidding. That's probably when it'll be. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe late next year but likely 2025 so there's some faith <laughs> yeah John chapter 5 now I'll refer to him because he said something I, now I, I've, I've read this book a lot and I've learned a lot but I'm always learning something and I've never sat under a message that Dean preached that I didn't leave knowing something that I didn't know before I came in it's never happened. I don't suspect it ever will. And one of those things that was like a, uh, I'm probably just slow. I'm probably just late to the game. But, you know, John, John chapter 21, the very last verse of the, of the book. Now, I knew it said it, but John says, and there were, there were also many other things Jesus did which if it were to be written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's what John wrote. Then he made a comment. He said everything that's recorded about Jesus in the Gospels was Jesus fulfilling the law. I thought, oh. Hmm. Well, hmm. 
huh, I don't think I knew that. I mean, I know Jesus came to fulfill the law. Now, that's going to matter in just a second because that's a whole new take. It's not just a take, it's right. That everything, the, the gospels, God, the Holy Spirit didn't randomly record things. Everything he recorded was recorded with a purpose. I won't spend a whole lot of time talking about theological seminary class stuff. That sounds deep, doesn't it? But, you know, there, you've probably heard of the things like the uh, law of first mention. Uh, that's an important thing that you learn when you start reading the word, the law of first mention, the first time something's mentioned in the word. Uh, Paul, when Paul would say, behold, I show you a mystery. You know, he said that a few times. Paul was always going to reveal a doctrine that had never been illuminated before. The, 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 the principle of it was in the Old Testament, but it was a mystery. And when, he, when Paul would say, behold, I show you a mystery, he was revealing doctrine that had never been explained before. Of course, you know if you run into therefore, you've got to look what it's there for and all those things. That's some basic things. But there's a law of double reference. You may know about the law of double reference. That often happens. That's when it's, that's when it's a right in front of you, uh, the, the very obvious, clear, natural, what the, what the people at the time would have been seeing and understanding and knowing and a with a natural application, but across the natural application, there was a spiritual insight. It's not that it meant two things; it's that one thing revealed the spiritual, the spiritual aspect of what it was saying. Law of double reference, and a lot of times the law of rebel, double reference will also be particularly in prophecy, like in Zechariah about Israel. How many knows if there's things happening in Israel? There's a whole lot of the prophetic writings about Israel that's law of double reference. It spoke to their time that they were in, the judgment was coming right then, but it also saw into or past or into the millennial reign of, or up to, between rapture and millennial reign of Christ. Double reference. Okay? Say, so why is that important? Because... There's people that want to argue over, oh, that's, that, that was all for back then. Have you ever heard that? That's all, all for back then. No. All Scripture is inspired. God breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof, and instruction in righteousness. How much Scripture? All of it. So if all that was for back then, then it's just relegated to the history bin. It doesn't affect our life. But that's not true. Is it history? Certainly. But it's not just history. So are you with me so far? So everything recorded about Jesus in the Gospels was somehow or way in the fulfilling of law or things that are to come or both interesting especially I told you last week when we began we, we, we read this passage and we talk about the sovereignty of God 
Y'all remember? You know what? I went home. Just, I went home and, uh, and, I, and I pulled up. I actually turned on a YouTube video of, of Loran, Loran, Loran Livingston. Anybody ever heard of him? L-O-R-A-N. It's not Lauren. It's Loran Livingston. It's a pastor of, he's in North Carolina. Well, write that name down because, my goodness, he's as good as it gets. When I got home, I, he popped up and I turned it on. Same night, when I got home from church, you know what Loran Livingston was teaching that had just been posted about the sovereignty of God. But I said, we could go through this scripture, and there's so much more there. And that's one of the things I want you to understand before we even get started tonight. That you, especially when you read things, people are familiar with the book of John. People are familiar with the gospels. Oh, I know the gospels. There's always, always more there. There's always, not different, not that contradicts, not that it means 47 different things. No, it means the same thing at the same time. But you'll never exhaust it. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there was in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool. Isn't it interesting that the shepherd would come by the sheep gate? Which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever, then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, he was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an affliction, an, infirmer, an infirmity for 38 years. <coughs> now, you should, you should probably notice that it does say a certain man. Says there was a multitude of people there. And you should just take note that even in the multitude that Jesus saw a certain man. You should always notice things like that. Wasn't just a random person. It was a certain man. And that certain man had been there for some 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But, I, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And he said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. 
And that day was the Sabbath. And Jesus said, therefore, said to him, who, and, and the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And then and he answered them, he who, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Let's just stop there. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for your presence, for your spirit. Lord, help me tonight. Touch my mind to give me clarity. Touch my voice to give me endurance. And Lord, but open our hearts to what you would say through your word. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a very obvious scenario that's going on here. This was a live event. This really happened. There was a man that had been paralyzed or infirmed all of his life. And Jesus knew it. That's the plain reading of the scripture. And it's good. But this plain reading, this reading of the scripture also speaks to two things. Believe it or not, and you'll see unfold in the next little bit maybe if we go that direction, that this is speaking to the condition of Israel, to his own people. And it's speaking to mankind as a whole in his human condition. There was a man, a certain man, and he had been there all of his life, and everyone knew it. They recognized him later that he was the man that had been lame all of his life. And it was a place, the man was in a place of hopelessness is what he was. When you read, he says, will you, may, will you be made whole? Will you, will you be healed? You remember what we talked He didn't answer. What he said was, when I, when I try to get there, someone beats me. Year after year after year after year. And I have no man to help. That is our condition. It's a position, it's a hopeless position. He was in a place, he was faithful to a degree, but he had no man that could help him. And that is indeed what Israel is looking at. That's what the unsaved are looking at. That's what the humankind is looking at. Listen to me, there's no man that can help you. And this is really the depth of the story, the account that you're beginning, that's beginning to unfold is a, is a man in a condition of of desperation. There's a multitude of people. This, this, this account is, is certainly about a certain man that finds the man, but there's also a mention of the multitudes. Hear me. There's nothing, not a, not, not a, not a, not a dot, not a comma, not an apostrophe, much less a sentence or a word or a line that's not there without purpose. He says, when he came into this place, when the shepherd came to the sheep gate 
to the place of refreshing, to the pool, there was a multitude there. A great, not just a multitude, hear me, but a great multitude of sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people, waiting, waiting for their restoration, for their salvation, if you will. Let's just go ahead and speak to some things right now that needs to be spoken to because the voices are loud in this world right now concerning the people of God, the nation of Israel. Of course, it's a political situation, but this is so much more than a political situation. And their voices are screaming. The only way that you don't know is if you're just, you've turned everything off. If you've watched the news, then you know the voices are screaming. If you have social media, you know the voices are screaming. If you're online at all, you know the voices are screaming. And there's always been voices screaming on these things. But what is happening now, Brother Scott, is there's way, way too much of people that call themselves the body of Christ that are screaming as well. This passage is, is ultimately, it's speaking about all of mankind. It's speaking about our hopelessness uh, that for, and the length of, of, of the time that we can be in it, all of our life. It's speaking about the condition that we find all through the Word of God. He uses the same term. These were literally, they were literally physically sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people. But when you read through the Word of God, when you hear him talking the language about the Gentile nations before the cross, when you hear him talk about the Jewish nation after the cross, he talked about that my people are blind. Or they're lame. Or they're infirmed in some way. It speaks to them. And right now, even the Jewish nation, the Jewish people that rejected him as their as their Messiah. Remember, he came into his own, and his own received him not. John chapter 1. But as many as received him, gave he the power or the right to be called the children of God, the sons of God. It's as many as Jew, Gentile alike, whoever, whosoever will. No man can help you. This appeal and all the rest of them that are in the Word of God are still active today. You hear me? We need to speak to where we're at right now. What's going to happen? Yeah. Lord only knows what's going to happen. But it's not over. In fact, it's not even close to over. It's only beginning in any sense of the word, politically, spiritually, financially, every realm you can think. There's a lot of people today, I've heard it in the last three weeks, that anybody 
Have you noticed, uh, have you ever, let me ask it this way or say it, have you ever noticed such a hostility towards the, to, towards the church and towards the, the Jews, even from within, that anybody that speaks towards it, even absolutely line by line, book by book, chapter by chapter, according to the word of God, that you suddenly have become a mixture of religion and politics and some kind of nationalist. Have you noticed that? Now, I, I can tell you after the last election, I'm just going to, you all just have to bear with me because I'm going to walk it out. I, that's what I intend to do. After the last elections, I saw what I would call a lot of nationalism, a lot of Christian nationalism. It was indeed, that is indeed true. I even saw enough of it around here that it concerned me, and I would address it. If y'all remember, because there was not a candidate on the ballot then, and there will not be a candidate on the ballot next time, or the next time, or the next time, or whenever, so long as the Lord tarries, that will have my hope that will have my faith, that I will be looking to for my answers because Jesus is the answer. It's Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. But that doesn't mean that our world situation is not spiritual. And it doesn't mean if you address it according to the word of God that you're some, some kind of, let's be real specific, that you're some kind of white Christian nationalist, some kind of Q, QAnon wacko. Now, I, now, some of you need to get back in your word of God and stop believing every YouTube prophet that sends you a video and measure according to the word of God because there's a lot of nutty, stupid stuff out there. If it's sensational, stupid, and nutty, chances are it's not scriptural. Somebody hear me. And I'm not talking to Mag to waste my breath. I'm talking to Mag because we're affected too. If you can't lay it beside the word, you should shut up about it. Now that's kind of blunt. But if the word doesn't speak to it, neither should we. And you know, conspiracy this. And you know, there's, there's definitely things that go on. And there's some things that were called conspiracy by the goofballs that were true. But my hope's not there. Either way, and nor should yours be. I am not going to be in despair a year from now, no matter who wins or who loses. I'm going to be in the same mood on Wednesday of the first Wednesday of November. It'll actually be the first Wednesday following the first Monday. You know, that is how the law, the law is. The election is, the, the presidential election is the first Tuesday following the first Monday. You say, well, they're all following the first Monday. No, if, Tuesday, if, 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 Tuesday, if the first falls on a Tuesday, <laughs> that's not election day. Election day will be the following week. So the first Wednesday after the first Tuesday, I'm not going to be distressed, upset, or anything else. He's not only in charge, he is the hope of the world. And I, there's some things I want to tell you. Moving, you say, what's it have to do with this scripture? It has everything to do with this scripture. He's not only in charge, 
He has a plan. God has a will for everyone, but his will is not always carried out. Oh, have you ever mentioned that before? I got news for you. God's will is not always carried out because he's not in charge of your will. One of the really reasons I know that is because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And not everybody's saved. It's God's will that everybody be saved. But they're not. It's God's will that we live according to his word and live in harmony with him and his word and let him be, be spirit-led. That's his will. But we're not all that. Even, God, even, even the ones that will make heaven are not always doing that. He tells me in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that I quote three times a month. Paul begged you. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, he says, be not conformed to this world. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you, the who? 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 That you might prove what is that good, that perfect, and acceptable or the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You. As long as God's will depends on me, God's, <coughs> God's will is not always fulfilled. Anybody want to dispute it? But hear me. God's plan will be carried out to the letter. God's plan is laid out in God's word and his plan while his will is not always carried out his plan is unchanging uninterrupted and will be carried out to to the nth degree period and you know what I'll mess with you a little bit it's a predestined plan I absolutely 150% believe in predestination. Make that, make that little sound bite and throw it out there. Give me. God's plan is predestined. Before the foundations of the world, he had a plan. Jeremiah was ordained a prophet before he was formed in his mother's womb. Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain when? Before the foundations of the world. You've heard me say it a dozen times. Before there was a ball of mud to stand on. Before there was a fall to be fell and a man to do the falling. Before there was a tempter to tempt the man to fall. Before the tempter fell from heaven like lightning there was a plan there was a plan a prophesied plan you say I know all that you tell us I remember line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little that's what we're doing there's some questions that need to be answered tonight and you need to be answered in your hearing 
or, I, or I, in my opinion, I would be a failure as a pastor and undeserving of the place that I'm standing tonight and the climate that we're in. Hear me. People say, oh, it's a spiritual Israel, not the modern nation of Israel. That's why every, anything that any cessationist or super sensationist or liberal theologian loves to say, it was, it's a spiritual application. Well, if that's the road we're going to go down, then all of it is a spiritual application. Nothing, God didn't literally mean what he said anywhere. Oh, now I'm going to confuse you a little because I got to tell you, it's all spiritual. What you're seeing happening right now in the world is spiritual. When somebody commits a crime, guess what? Spiritual. When somebody is a rebel, a rebellious, guess what? Spiritual. When somebody wants to lie, when they want to cheat, when they want to steal, when they're a swindler, when they're a crooked politician, when they're a dishonest businessman, guess what? Spiritual. You know what? Proverbs says things about God hates men that deal in dishonest measure. Bad business. That he hates deception. You know what? He don't even like mealy mouth can't get it said. Y'all know what that is? Because you know why I know? He said, let your yes be yes. And let your no be no. Well, we have a hard time with that today, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? Don't we? You know how much time we would save if people would just say what they meant and meant what they said and people would answer accordingly? Hello? No, the, the Word of God says what it says. Now, there's times he uses metaphors and all those things. Let me tell you what he says when he's using a metaphor. He said, the kingdom of God is like as... You know what the English teacher, what's the literal definition of a metaphor? A comparison that uses like or as. You know what I'm doing tonight? I'm talking about John chapter 5. But I'm teaching you how to understand the Word of God and the, and the environment that you're living in today. Actually, I'm just teaching you how to understand the Word of God. It's how you get close to Him. It's how you know what's going on. It's how you have witness in your spirit. It's, it, it's, how, it's, how, well, it's how you love Him more. It's how you hear Him better. It's how, it's how you walk above your struggles. It's how you get out of a sinful life. It's what sanctifies you. It's the washing of the water of the Word. So, you know, it's not always dazzling but it's very profitable to have some understanding. You know what? The things we do on Wednesday nights, not because I'm the pastor, it's because I'm committed to the Word. You know what this, this does? It builds a strong church with strong people 
that when the wind does blow and the floods do come and, 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 the, and it beats upon the house, that your house can stand. When you are full of the word and you begin to understand the word and how to understand the word, the things that would have killed you a few years ago, that would have had you running around and checked in somewhere with a drip in your arm of some kind, now you can face it squarely and know in whom you have believed and you can be persuaded that he's able to keep that which he has appointed against that day. That's why it's a literal nation on the land between the Mediterranean Sea and today the Jordan River. But he promised Abraham he would have to the Euphrates. And they've never occupied that much land. I hate that word because it's used wrong today. They've, they've never held that much land. But one day they will. One day they will. They will, be, they will be in, they will occupy everything from the Mediterranean Sea to the Euphrates River, not just the Jordan. They'll, they'll be from the Golan Heights all the way down to the Red Sea. Because you know who it belongs to? God. It belongs to Him. All of it. It belongs to Him. Literally belongs to Him. You know who He's given it to? The children of Abraham by the son of promise. There's a lot of lies out there in the world. Right now, Israel is a certain man that's been lame for a long time. And every time the pool of struggle is stirred, somebody beats them in. But, it, but they put themselves there. They say, They've rejected Christ. They're not God's people. How many's heard that one? God does, there's some things that God never explains to us of why they are still the apple of his eye. He doesn't tell us. But I can tell you a few things. From the time of Abraham's covenant, when he began to, have, when he began to bear offspring with, with Isaac and Jacob, when that was the Jewish nation became founded, he, he was, they were a blessed nation. And he told them from the beginning that I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. He said, this is an everlasting covenant with Abraham. And if you go through and read the new covenant, you will find out, I told you just last week in, in a brief moment in the beginning of service, if you go read Romans, oh, this is the newest one. This is the newest one. Now, now it's been... How do you put air quotes on, on sound in case you don't have air quotes? <laughs> now it's been proven, air quotes, that Romans 9, 10, and 11 were added to Romans, that they were never supposed to be there. I thought, of course, of course not. Of course, how convenient. How convenient that, that Romans 9, 10, and 11 were not actually part of the Pauline epistle, that somebody added it later. Of course. Because if you don't have Romans 9, 10, and 11, you'll, you, you won't be hearing in the new covenant so clearly that God's rejection of Israel is not total and it's not forever. And you won't be knowing, and you won't be knowing clearly that, 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 that he is the root 
of the olive tree and they are the branches and that they, he broke their branches off and grafted our wild branch in, but not all of them. And he says that, that he will, before he, he said, he said, to remember, you're not the root, you're the graft. And he said, if you don't think, he said, if you think I will spare you, listen to me. Let me say it very clearly. Replacement theology and supersessionism is what it is, is a damnable heresy. It is a, an affront to God himself. The church is not spiritual Israel. Israel is Israel. And it's the Jewish nation and the Jewish people and if you don't, if you think Romans 9, 10, and 11 were removed from the scripture, okay, let's go to Galatians. Where Paul will begin to tell you that the true children of Abraham are the ones that believe on the, on the Christ. And anyone who does. And if you've been brought into the covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ, we could go on all night. It's not only damnable heresy, I'll say it very clearly, it's anti-Semitic in every way. If you're in this room, if you're one of us, and that offends you, repent. And don't come talk to me about it because I will tell you to your face that you need to repent. I won't back up on an inch. You know why? Because the Word of God doesn't back up on it an inch. Salvation, let me remind you, the Word of God says, is of the Jews. It was a Jewish virgin that the Holy Spirit hovered over and she conceived a child. Didn't have no earthly father. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. By the way, did you know that you're only a natural Jew if you're, as if your mother was a Jew? If your daddy is a Jew and your mama's not, you're not a Jew. Isn't that interesting? Your mama's got to be a Jew. If your mama's a Jew and your, and your daddy's heathen, you're a Jew by birth. Now, anybody can convert, but, natural, but to be a natural Jew, your mama has to be a Jew. It was a Jewish virgin that the Spirit of God, you know what? It was a Jewish boy at 12 years old that walked into the temple and taught the lawgivers and the teachers of his day. It was a Jew. You know what? It was a Jew, it was a Jewish Messiah that, that grew in stature and in knowledge. And then he, that, that he walked up on the Jordan River and was baptized Believe it or not, John wasn't a Baptist. He was a Jew. And he, and he announced a Jewish Savior. Behold. The, you, know, you know what? He was a kosher Savior. You know how I know? Because he didn't announce 
the bacon of the world. He announced the Lamb of God. The Jew. He lived, he kept the feasts. He kept the Passover. He kept the law perfectly. Are you with me? I'm hearing you. This is, this is of utmost importance to not hear me. You know what he was? A Jew. Whenever they were trying to do something with him, they would pass him from the Romans and the Romans would send him back. We don't want anything to do with him. Take him and try him by your laws. He sent him back to the Jews. I got a little news for you on one thing. It was the Romans that beat him. It was the Romans, because everybody says he was, you know, 39 lashes with a kind of nine tails. No, not so. Not so. 39, 40 less one minus one was Jewish law. That was Jewish law. The Jews are not who scourged him. The Romans were merciless and had no such law. They beat him until they were done. Is what they did. Then handed him back to the Jews. And it was a Jewish mock court by Jewish religious figures with Jewish crowds singing crucify him. When they mocked him and spit in his face and cast lots for his clothes and all those and then when they, when they, when they said, oh, you're a king, let, let us crown him. And then when they nailed him to it and put a sign over his head, what did it say? King of the Jews. Let me help you with something else in case you think God is done with the Jews. That's what people think. It's anti-Semitic. It's heresy. It's damnable heresy. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Because I got news for you, church people. If you don't hear anything else I say, I'm going to tell you something. It will, be a, it will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Can I, can, by the way, Jude, Judas, Judah, you know what that means? Jew. You know what the tribe is? All the tribes? You know what the, who the tribes are of? They're the sons of Jacob, Israel, Jews. He is the, the one that is going to come back and get the church. Is the same one that's going to come back when all the armies in the earth encompass where? Jerusalem. Oh, sorry, Matt. That's spiritual. That's spiritual. That big valley on the other side of the West Bank that all the military experts in the world say is the finest battlefield in the world. You know, Megiddo. Otherwise known as what? 
Armageddon. That's where the, it's going to show up. That's not a, spirit, that's not a spiritual map. And I'll tell you who's going to show up. And you know, and let me tell you who he's going to rescue. Am I doing all right? Let me tell you who he's going to rescue. Then I'll tell you who he is. Well, it's going to be the lamb. It's going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Guess what? A Jew. I don't know if y'all hear me. Jesus didn't suddenly become something else when he ascended to the Father. You know what he still is? Still a Jew. You know who he's got? Did he change tribes before he's coming back? No. He's still the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's going to be a Jew. And you know who he's coming to make a way for to escape? The Jews. He's going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives. That's going to split. And you know what it's going to do? When the armies are closing in, it's going to give them passage between the mountain. Isn't that something? He's not coming to save a spiritual, myth, mythological race of people. Do you know he's coming to save? Jews. He said, they're mine. From the beginning, they're mine. You know what? His mercy and grace grafted me in to their root. <laughs> you know what we're for? Romans tells you that, I don't remember. He says, I, I will provoke the natural branches' jealousy. Because of you. What's he saying? I will cause them to see what I'm doing in you where they will want me. Gotta hurry. When the time of wrath comes, there is a time of coming wrath. Oh, it's something else. That's when you get past Revelation 4, by the way. Everybody's still looking, you know, have you seen the meme? <laughs> looking to see where we are in Revelation today. You're still in chapter 4. <laughs> you know, when the horses begin to ride and the trumpets begin to blow and the bowls begin to be poured out, when the white hot wrath of God begins to be poured out on the earth and the people that are left. Do you know what it's for? Let me help you with something. It's the wrath of God for rejecting his son, certainly. But it is an, an, a demonstration of his awesome power. That every demonstration of his wrath and incredible power is for one reason. And it's to cause the Jews 
to turn back and say, He is Lord. That only He could do this. That only He has this kind of power. That only He... Because see, they remember, they know the Torah. They know, they know that they struck, that he struck the dust and the dust became lice. That he put reproductive, that he put reproductive and respiration and circulatory system in dirt before their eyes. They know that. They know that there was a frog in every cup and every ear canal and every, on every breakfast plate. And every cup of tea, and every between every bed sheet, they know that. They know that he struck the firstborn of everything in Egypt, everything, even the livestock. They know that. They know what his power looks like. And that wrath that is to come for their rejection is the final and ultimate act of mercy and grace extended to the Jewish nation. Say that doesn't sound like grace and mercy. Oh, but it is. And you know who it'll be for? Let me tell you who it'll be. It'll be for the Jews. But you know which of the Jews? It's not a complicated theological question to answer. It will be for whosoever will. That's who it'll be for. We're in an incredible time. There's no need. See, if you go through and just start to search the scripture. Why am I saying that? Because there's every kind of nut in the world has a YouTube channel, a TikTok feed, a YouTube, and everybody. <laughs> I saw one last week, a preacher. Matt, it cracked me up. He said, all these people become eschatology experts last week. He said, I suggest y'all all just go to church Sunday. <laughs> I don't think y'all caught that. He's talking about all the experts on the end times events. There ain't none of them living for the Lord. There ain't none of them going to church. Right. How about you? Woo! 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 I concur. The players are in place. And the, the plan is indeed in motion. There's an unholy trinity right now. I want to tell you something. The Word of God has plenty to say about an alliance between the Persians and the Syrians. <laughs> Uh, let me help you with that. Iran <laughs> and Syria and those surrounding. Uh, by the way, Hamas, 
Hezbollah are funded by Iran and Syria. In fact, there's a coming day when it says it's spiritual. There's a coming day when Israel, the nation of Israel, that the Bible prophesies in detail. Do you know, does anybody know what the oldest and longest inhabited place on the face of the earth is today? It's never, it's always been inhabited. Damascus. Damascus, Syria. The oldest civilization on the face of the earth. And there's coming a day when the word of God tells you very clearly that Israel I would be curious to see how they're going to send a spell, a spiritual spell. Yeah, I'm being a smart aleck. I don't think it's going to be a nuclear spell. I think it will be stealth bombers and seaborne missiles and very natural, very physical weapons. And they're going to level Damascus. By the way, look, it's in there, right in the Word of God. I'm going to deal with a few other things while I'm dealing with it. I've told you moral relativism. No. Situational ethics. No. I hate that junk. I can rip one right here and say situational ethics will cause you to go hunt down a man for molesting your child, but it will cause you to look the other way when hundreds have been molested under your watch. That was free. That's situational ethics. Why did I say that? If you know, you know. Yeah? But I was one more thing I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about moral equivalency. Moral equivalency. Because that's what you've got all over the news. And I'll say it up front. There is no moral equivalency between Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah. There is none. I could say it pretty strong. If the nation of Israel decides tonight to roll into the Gaza Strip and bomb it to the ground and bulldoze it up in a pile and set it on fire, all of it, they would be 100% justified in doing so. They would be 100% justified in doing so. And I'll talk to you about that if you want to argue about it. You saw demons and devils on display in the streets. Subhuman action to the nature of of Genghis Khan 
and Adolf Hitler. And you are either dishonest or a racist bigot if you don't know if that happened in your town, in your county, to your children, to your wife, if it was your sister that they raped on the corner, shot her in the head, and paraded her naked body through the streets for everybody to spit on and make fun of. If it was your infant that they shot point blank 10 times in the head and then cut what was left of it off and butchered them by the hundreds that they built fires, built fires and throw children alive, not shot, not killed, not alive. If you tell me for one second that whatever it takes to stop it is not justified, you're a liar or you're a bigot. And I don't have any other terms. Now, I realize that's going to separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff, and that's going to separate some things. But that's how it is. And I'll tell you another thing. They lie. For three days, they've been trying to turn the world that Israel bombed a hospital. And satellite imagery come out today that Israel didn't bomb no hospital. They bombed their own people. And I tell you, they took them completely by surprise and murdered thousands of civilians in the street like dogs. But before Israel has taken any action, they dropped flyers and leaflets and pamphlets and radio communication for days saying, get out. Because we're coming in to root them out. And if you're here, you're going to bear the consequences. Get out. And when that happened, Hamas block the exits into Egypt where they couldn't leave. And, from that, and tonight still yet, tonight still yet, tonight still yet, Israel has not rolled in and annihilated them. You know why? Because they're humans. And I'll say one more thing. I'll continue. Israel has never used people as human shields, much less their own people. They have never attacked civilians as their target. In war, hell happens. But it's never been their target and never been their strategy. Never. And I'll ask you another question. In that, they're demon-possessed dogs is what they are. 100%. For all of my life, they have placed their rocket launchers, their grenade warehouses, their, their munition storages in daycare centers, hospitals, nursing homes, and schools. All of my life, that's where they store. And let me ask you a question. Why do you suppose that's true? Because any time that they retaliate to take a... Now, what would you do if you were a military strategist? You would take out 
their munition storages, their ability to, ro- to launch rockets. That's what you would do. And then the civilized world, people don't bomb women and children and the infirmed in the civilized world. So when you're a demon-possessed dog, and in case you think that's too strong, that's what the Old Testament called them. It's even what, it's even what Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman. He says, can you heal, Master, can you heal my daughter? He said, it's not meat that I should give the children's bread, the children's bread, the Jews, to the dogs. And she said truth. Lord, whosoever will. He said truth, Lord, but even the little dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And it says Jesus was in awe. And he healed her daughter. You know what he said? He said, in greater faith have I never seen in all of Israel, the Jews. Now I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Live stream. Oh, people are going to hate me. Some of y'all might hate me. I want to ask you a question tonight. If the people that were killing your children and elderly parents and your sister, that they were raping your mama and everything else, that their stated goal is to drive you into the sea, that you, have, you don't even have the right to exist. The stated goal still is. Hey, that's, not, that's not QAnon rhetoric. That's a fact. That's the stated goal. If those people stored all the weaponry to come back later to kill your whole family and everybody you knew in the next attack and you knew where it was, I want to ask you a question. What would you do? What would you do? If it was yours or theirs. That you know good and well you would leave them alone if they would leave you alone. Golda Meir famously said in the early 70s if the Arabs would lay down their arms there would be peace in the Middle East. If the Jews lay down their arms they would be annihilated. They would be killed. All of them. She said, until they learn to love their children more than they hate us, there's nothing we can do. She said, you know, I can forgive them for killing our children. Now listen to this. I can forgive them. Golda Meir said, I can forgive them for killing our children. 
I can't forgive them for forcing us to kill theirs. What would you do? And again, I'm prepared to call you a liar. (laughs) If you wouldn't eradicate the threat. I'm speaking to whoever needs to hear it. Understand me. But it's not just us. If you've bellyached and whined and cried and howled about a border in the southern United States that we wouldn't defend, wouldn't close, and rightly so, but you don't have any problem with us, but you have a or you have a problem with Israel defending their borders. What does that make you? The biggest question, you say, what does this have to do with John chapter 5? It opens the door. John chapter 5 is about the healing of a man, certainly. It's about the hopelessness of all of mankind that they cannot do for themselves. I've been here all of my life. And every time I go, someone beats me. There's, for there's no man to help me in. But it's also about a Jewish nation and a, and a Savior that had one question. Wilt thou be made whole? That's what, do you know that that's what salvation is about? The salvation is not, Americans have made salvation so cheap. We certainly get to go to heaven. And that's, and that's nothing else matters if you don't. But, but salvation is so much more than I get to go to heaven. It is total completeness, body, soul, and spirit. For he was wounded for our transgressions. Jewish prophet. The pronoun is our. For he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This is the question for the ages, not just for a lame man at the pool with five porches for all of humanity and in particularly the Jews. Do you want to be made well?
do you want to be made well? And in this case, he made him well. You know why? He had the power to do it. He had the power to do it. This, I've said some strong things tonight. But we're in a time and an hour. This is not a time to be ignorant. You need to know what's going on. This is just scratching the surface. Indeed, you need to get in the Word of God. And I, if, if you're going to get on YouTube, you need to find out who you're listening to. Period. And I can tell you for a fact, anybody that tries to take anything away from national Israel, it's not about national Israel. It absolutely, absolutely, positively is about natural Israel. It's not about it's spiritual. It's absolutely about the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. It is absolutely concerning the, the sons of Ishmael, the Arab world. It's absolutely concerning Russia, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran. Absolutely positively. They're literally going to surround Jerusalem. And God is literally going to sovereignly and divinely and suddenly defend them himself. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And just as a footnote, so you can go do some of your own research, there has never been a time since B.C. <laughs> There's never been a time ever that there hasn't been Jews in the land of Israel. Because the world would have you believe that they wasn't there. They were scattered, certainly. But there's never been a time that they wasn't there. They've been there the whole time. Go read in Zechariah and Jeremiah and Isaiah, and you're going to begin to read, Dean alluded to it the other day, that a nation shall be born in a day. He's talking about them. Go read. It's in detail. And they're going to come. But you know what? Never in history. Here's something very interesting. Here's something very By the way, Islam didn't come around to hundreds of years after Christianity. By the way, did you know that? Muslims tried to lay claim to the Temple Mount and everything. They were, they were, not, they were not there. They were not there. They were not there. Last thing. Last thing. Never before in history, ever, Never said this way. There are more Jews alive and living in that land today than ever before in the history of the world. There's more of them there right now than there's ever been. He started calling them home. You and Brandon, you can play. And we're fixing to pray. And I'm fixing to make a very, 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 very extremely political statement. I'm even going to endorse a candidate from the pulpit and dare them to come after me. 
Board, I'm putting our tax status on the line as we speak. Neil said, oh, no, I think he's all right. I can tell you exactly who I'm going to vote for next election. And I encourage you to do the same. Whichever man or woman stands up and gives the strongest endorsement and backing and commitment to the nation of Israel, if they're orange, if they're senile, Or somebody else. If they have R or D or I or XYZ, hear me. I'm telling the world, I'm telling you right now. Whoever it is in this season of life that stands up and backs and commits to the nation of Israel the strongest is who this preacher is going to vote for. They can argue over tax policy all they want to. I don't give a hoot. They're all sticking it to us. Life and Israel. And they're one and the same. Whatever, that won't be a mixed candidate, I can promise you. And you say, are you really going to do it? If it's a, uh, hear me, before God. That's it. whoever it is. That's who I'm voting for. Because I know, because I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. You know what? I can live with the United States not being the United States. Is that what I want? No. It already isn't the United States I grew up in. Or you grew up in. And it's never going to be. I can live with the United States not being the United States. But I can't live being in opposition to the living God. I can't and I won't. Stand with me. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your plan. I'm thankful that you are sovereign and that your plan will be carried out to the, to the nth degree. And Lord, tonight at the close of this service, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. <coughs> Lord, I pray that you, that you give the leadership of the world and especially of Israel uncommon and supernatural wisdom, insight, focus. Lord, I pray that you would reveal what no man knows in the natural. I pray that you open up the spiritual world that they can see clearly what is happening, that they know what to do. Lord, I pray for the leadership of our own country, 
that against all odds that they would be wise and stand with you and stand with the nation of Israel and its people. May we never be like the church was in the 40s that turned their eyes blind to a demonic dictator that we will stand with you. Lord, I pray that you go with us, that you bless the families of this church. Lord, that you pour your word in, into us, open our hearts. Lord, that there be a hunger that this, that the, in this church that these families of this church has never known, that they will be an insatiable craving to be in your word and to know your word and to understand your word and that, people, that we would walk with you in prayer and in fasting and build a relationship with you like never before in the coming days where no matter what happens around us that there's no need to tremble that there's no need to fear that we understand that the, that you are a god that has all power in his hands and that you are perfectly capable of taking care of those who belong to you and lord we give it to you and thank you for it in jesus name amen shake hands hug necks tell people you love them